What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of uh, the Brook and the Kid podcast. This is episode 31. It's over. Um, and it is far, far from over um, for the Dallas Cowboys. And and us, this podcast, this will be our last one. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what do you mean but, far from over? It's far from over for everybody else. Yeah, it's We're a, done. We're on the couch. We're <laughs> yeah, we're on the couch. We're watching from home. But joining me in today's episode is the analyst and the medical guy. Um, I'm your host, The Rook. Um, we want to thank you guys for coming out here and being along with us for this full season. Um, I hope you enjoyed most of what we had to, to say about the Dallas Cowboys. We had some things that we were right about. We had some things we were wrong about. Um, for the most part, we kind of hit it on the nail with this team. Um, you know, the team that had a shot, but they didn't, they didn't, weren't, weren't able to get it done in the end. Um, and that we thought that maybe a curse was broken. But there wasn't any curse in the first place besides the one that runs everything, the one that pulls out of the strings. The man is Jerry Jones, um, which no one ever likes to bring up. But um, the underlying issue is the Cowboys have gone three seasons, um, 12 wins, and have accounted to zero, accounted for zero success in the playoffs. Um, so we're going to dive into basically why that is. Um, and that's part of what our shadow of the script is, is kind of why that is. What's been happening with the Cowboys? How are the fans feeling today? You can get a, kind of get a first-person point of view. Um, and we're going to go into the recap of the Packers versus Cowboys game um, and then talk about what's next for the Dallas Cowboys. Head coaching candidates, Dak Prescott, some free agents. Um, and then once we get finished with that, we're going to have um, you know your wild-card weekend recap and some divisional round predictions, um, track rankings per usual. But – Welcome, welcome in. Like I said before, if this is your first time listening. Please be uh, be sure to like, subscribe, and download and share with your friends. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Um, for video, you can look on Spotify and YouTube. And for audio, best audio versions are on Apple Podcasts. Those are our three primary things. So before you listen to this podcast, make sure you do that. Um, that'd be greatly appreciated. We thank you guys for your contribution. Okay, boys, shout of the script, the Dallas Cowboys organization. There's a lot of places you can start here. And I really just wanted to have this shadow of the script to kind of get some opening thoughts from you guys because it goes hand in hand with the with the tracking the boys and how the, the Packers beat the brakes off the Dallas Cowboys in the divisional round. Um, and I have my own little kind of monologue to, to say, but I wanted to give you guys the floor. Um, uh, start with like the analyst here, just kind of like, hey, what did you see in this game? You know, what do you think went wrong? Um, I know it's kind of jumbled all over the place because you've got a full team that that didn't show up for this ball game, um, but it's been happening year after year after year. I think six or seven times in the past ten years, we've been to the playoffs and we still haven't passed the divisional. We're five and thirteen in the past thirty years. Jerry Jones has still not uh, hired the best head coach that money can buy. We're at a standstill with Dak Prescott. We don't know where to go next with him. Um, you don't have to get on get into what's next, but just kind of. What are your thoughts, your initial thoughts here uh, from this uh, this early exit against the lowest seed in the playoffs? Uh, <laughs> All right, for those of you that don't know, that is Marvin's room by Drake. Um, after the Packers Cowboys game, my wife can attest to this. I literally sat there when the game hit zero 
And I sat there for 10 minutes after the game with the TV off, just sitting on the couch in silence. Yeah. I was completely broken. But yep. to, to Jared's point, now that I'm done making jokes, um, <laughs> where do you go from here? There's There's so many answers to that, but I think this is just – something that is just miserable if you're the reason we started this podcast like our family started it started with grants for us we've given this whole spill before on how grants has been watching the cowboys since the 60s and then it's ran through like jacob's parents and our parents and like you become a cowboys fan because of your family well little did we know we were getting the worst and most toxic relationship and curse you could ever have in your life <laughs> Yeah. So this team is just – it's lost, man. And they are – I truly, like, I, I feel so, like, far out extremist for saying it, but I just feel like they're cursed. And I really feel like it starts at the top. And that game on on Sunday was absolutely despicable. It was disgusting. It was the worst thing or worst football NFL display I've ever seen. And I'm just talking like Jacob can attest to this too. I'm just talking coverages, play calling, effort, coaching. All of it was absolutely disgusting. And I have never seen anything like it before. I was I was beyond mad. Um yeah. still yeah. am. So yeah, yeah. That's and that, my initial take. Yeah, I'll let you go ahead Jared, a, and I'll save no, all the rest for later. Yeah. Trust me, we're gonna get into it heavy. I just didn't want you to Feel like he had to go a mm-hmm. long time there. Um, and then the medical guy. Let's your initial thoughts. Ryan, Ryan gave a good breakdown. Yeah. I'm sure you feel very similar. Yeah, like yeah. we we all feel very similar, but a good point he brought up is how everybody becomes a Cowboys fan. It's you know, your your grandparents, your parents rooting for the Cowboys and the Cowboys of old, right? But that's a, the script I like to shatter is that the Cowboys for the last 20 years ish, um, they're not the Cowboys of old, right? Mm-hmm. They carry the the star, they carry the title, the branding, the organization, but they're not the same Cowboys as all the Super Bowl winning Cowboys, all the dominant teams, all the tough factor, the, you know, we're better than you, we're going to run through your mouth, we're going to hit you, we're going to do all this. It's not the same. Um, and I know I didn't grow up. I mean, I was very, very young when they won you know, the Super Bowls in the 90s and whatnot. But we t- they talk about those teams back in that day of how, like, it ran through Dallas. And it's just not the same team. Uh, and then, like, you could see you could see what it means to some people. And a good example of that was at halftime when Jimmy Johnson got up there. And, I mean, like, yeah. people, are, they were joking on, uh, like, kind of joking in that halftime show. But, like, he was serious. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, Michael Strahan and yeah. all them were like patting him on the back, like whatever. Like, if that was Jimmy Johnson thirty years ago, like he he's pushing people around. Like he's not like, hey, I'm not joking, guys. Like, and he started off great with with like, you know, what I really want to say, I can't say on national TV. Yeah, that got me a, fired. Here's a here's a paraphrasing of it, and I was like, yeah, this ain't the same team. It ain't the same. It's not the same mindset and the ta- the same grittiness that it was back in the day. And, you know, it's just going to be up to this new age Dallas Cowboys to figure out, like, hey, does it run through Dallas or are we just another team? And so that's just kind of my take on it. Yeah, my, my initial take is, and I think y'all both hit it on the marks there, um, is that 
we get we we get told all the time that this is America's team. This is the team that everybody watches on television. Um, now, if if I were the father of the America's team, um, it's like having a son that is giving given everything. But what does he deserve? What has he earned? Uh, you're not showing a, a team or a child like that. Every that nothing is earned, everything's given. So for the past 30 years, the Dallas Cowboys have accomplished absolutely zero in terms of success and winning Super Bowls and being this America's team. And yes, we are the number one sports franchise in the world. There are fans all over the world. But honestly, you know, if if I'm and I get it, the, the reason that they make money is because it's popcorn when they lose. It is headlines. The Dallas Cowboys blow it again. Come to the circuit. Da, 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 da. Cowboys exactly. are the freaks of the show. Uh, look at this idiot, you know, in a, on a unicycle, you know, going circles in a clown, like in a clown outfit. <laughs> look at Dak Prescott. It's all his, it, that's the, that's the media storm. But if, if I were its father, I would say strip away those primetime games, strip away that America's team title, strip away everything that you, that you think that you have because you've earned absolutely zero and to go out there and freaking earn it, give somebody to play for, give something, somebody something to play for. And it, it really aggravates me because it's a culture thing. It has always been, um, it's been that way since Tony Romo took a vacation to go to Cancun instead of, you know, show up for the playoff game. Um, and that caused mishaps. It's been that way since um, Dak Prescott showed up into the room and we blow a game with less than a minute left. And then we, have CJ Anderson run for 250 on us, and then we have Raheem Mostert at 29 years old, or whatever old he was, run for fucking 400 on us. And then the next year we get we blow it on offense, and then this year we get creamed by the number seven. I mean, my God, uh, I'm just as a Cowboys fan itself, it is it's damn near. You know, Ryan said he didn't want to sound like like he was crazy or or extremist, but. It makes you want to give up being a fan. It really does because you, you you just see the end of the road, and you have analysts on live television saying, "You know what? I don't want to grade the Dallas Cowboys on anything until I see the playoffs." Yeah. If that ain't a script, I don't know what is. They know that when the Dallas Cowboys are going to get to the the playoffs, everyone knows, everyone except some typical Cowboys fans, but they know the Cowboys are going to blow it. And so yeah. it, it's just – that's kind of what I have initially on that. But Yeah, Stephen A. Smith might have the most dead-on take with the Cowboys where if that. something can go wrong, the Dallas Cowboys will almost make sure it goes wrong. Yeah. And it is yeah. like – it sucks to hear, but that's been like on the mark, freaking bullseye of a take for, you know, as long as we've been alive. So exactly. it, it really is just depressing and disheartening. Yeah. You know, and I and I feel bad because you know, and we'll kind of we'll transition into the game here. Um, Packers forty-eight, Cowboys thirty-two. But I, I feel bad because you know, it's a playoff game, and I'm a huge fan, and I want to go. I want to finish the game. I want to watch the whole game. I turned this game off when it midway between the transition between twenty to nothing and twenty-seven to nothing. In between there, when the ball was being taken for a pick six. I got, I didn't even finish my tall boy. I stood up, I walked <laughs> calmly to my room and I closed the door and I turned on rocket league. And I just sat there in silence. Even the kid, he came back in here and he was like, Hey, they just scored before half. And I was like, leave me alone. 
I was like, <laughs> I don't care anymore. I'm done. I don't even get to finish watching my favorite <clears throat> team's playoff game, a professional team. Um, so that's highly frustrating. But I will say before I get before we delve into this Cowboys extremely uh, uh, into detail, I want to shout out Jordan Love, the Green Bay Packers, Matt Lafleur for what they're doing over there. Shit. I'm shouting it out. No, no, I, I, I spoke about because it's a take that I had at the beginning of the year. I shouted out Jordan Love as being uh, – I put in my tracking for one of the, the most intriguing fantasy options in football. He finished quarterback, top 10 fantasy quarterback in the league. Um, he has improved dramatically throughout the entire course of the year with injuries um, to his roster. He hasn't had David Bakhtiari. His defense has been subpar. His uh, receivers have been banged up. His Aaron Jones has been banged up. He has one of the youngest rosters in the NFL, and he's out here bodying a 12-5 and uh, conference champion you know, championship team that has the best player in football on defense. Um, just kudos to them. You have to give respect to them. Um, fuck the Packers, but, you know, you have to give respect <laughs> to them. They've beaten us 10 out of the last 11 times. All right, now that that's out of the way, um, you know, I'm, I, I was actually digesting green and yellow whenever the game was over. Um, yeah, mean green, right? Um, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, okay. Well, let's let's start with the defense here. Um, uh, the manic, uh, the medical guy. Let's start with you. Just kind of what you saw on defense. Um, I know there's not going to be a lot of positive things to say, and we're really really grading a half of football because the rest of the second half, um, it was just garbage time. Um, yeah, it was eyewash. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, going into the defense, and I know I'll, I'll try to just pick. Uh, I don't know. We're all going to say the same thing, basically. Yeah. Um, but. Going into the defense, I had well, I had it split up into good, okay, bad, just different things on with the whole game with uh, with the team, and really there wasn't much of good and okay. Um, but the bad for the defense, I mean, I'll just I'll just take one point of it. I'll have to go, you know, with with uh, I don't know processing, making reads, and then like execution because like I get that yeah, whatever coverage you're running might not be the greatest. But there's no reason there should be three or four plus pass plays where there's no where you're going to see like PFF grades of most uh, space between defender and ball catcher. Like you're going to get some of those out with this game. And regardless of whatever defense you're running, unless you're running an engage eight, there should be no way that there should be that much of a breakdown and a miscommunication uh, between different people on defense um, to where wide receivers and, and weapons like that are that open and. And not even like, you know, the whole Lions play where a left tackle sneaks out of the back, uh, out the line or whatever. But like their top guys, like Wicks, Dubs, uh, they're tied in. Like, I mean, there was just tons of just open space. And like I said before, it, it literally looked like uh, a copycat, uh, a copy and paste of that 49ers game where nothing was really thrown short. It was thrown past the sticks and there was a lot of space there. And, and, you know, it was just easy plays. And I know he made – Jordan Love made some great throws, made great decisions. But if you if you go back and look at that first half, he made he had to make two throws that were, like, yeah. very primetime throws. I know some of them were off his back foot, but he just had to throw it in an area. And, like, hey, just don't overthrow him by 30 yards and don't underthrow him by 30 yards. And so just seeing, like – and it, it's epitome of what we've talked about all this year and in a mul multiple games about how the defense and the team in general has come out and spoke about 
oh, we're ready for this game. This is what we're here for, yada, yada, and then come in and then lay an egg like that. It's just so disappointing. And so that's just my one take on the defense because I don't want to take everybody else's point. Yeah. Um, but I'll pass it on to y'all too, whatever y'all want to go over with the defense. Yeah, the analysts, what were your uh, thoughts on the defense? Well, I'll give you the analytical approach. Mm-hmm. But the first comment I'll make is if they don't fire Dan Quinn for the reasons <laughs> I'm about to name, then I don't – I mean, it goes back to what I'm saying is and what I've been saying for the last couple weeks, either over text or on this pod, is this defense that they run is not good against good football teams. And I'm about to tell you why. The Dallas Cowboys throughout the NFL – were the most man-to-man team in the NFL. They got pressure on quarterbacks and they ate quarterbacks alive when they were able to lock you down and get to you with four man down. This entire game, they did not blitz. They did not run man-to-man and they went to zone. And that's why Jordan Love was getting these throws over the middle. Coverages were busted on the sidelines. Uh, Luke Musgrave or Kraft, whichever tight end that was, was 50 yards wide open like it was a punt return. That's why gaps were open all over the field, guard, tackle, and all the way way down the field, they were able to just run the football because we were running a zone scheme with no linebackers that knew how to run protect because we're playing guys at linebacker that are 205 and run a 4-3 that are getting bodied by guards. That's not going to work in the NFL. And I, that's what Dan Quinn runs. And it hasn't worked against good teams for the last two to three years. And that's the point that I've been making to Hunter. That's the point that I've been saying to people when I talk to them about Dallas. It's like this defense with Dan Quinn has not been good against good teams in a long, long time. And the only argument that you can give me is the Niners game last year. And that's it. Everything else, they've given up 28 points, 40 points. They gave up 26 points to the Arizona Cardinals this year. They gave up 20 points to the Miami Dolphins. That's the only other good game I can think of. The Eagles yes. scored 40 points on us the first time we were away, or however many that was. The Bills ran all over them. I mean, they haven't been good at stopping the run ever. So the other thing I've got is the safeties. It's been a lingering problem for a long time. And Dan Quinn, like I said, loves these tall, lanky guys. And we've had some ups and downs in the safeties departments, you know, department. It's been good sometimes, it's been bad. But oh my God, the safeties were embarrassing. Especially yes. when we're talking about the safe about zone coverage. Most of the time when you're in zone, a safety is going to be on that tight end. If you're in a cover three or a, like a cover two scenario, they're usually shattering that safety, especially in Dan Quinn's defense that sucks, again, is that they run a 4-2-5, or they run like a hybrid safety. Well, that safety is usually the one that's like Jaron Curse that's covering those tight ends. And he wasn't covering Jack, you know what, all season. And Malik Hooker was, eh, okay, but the yeah. entire time we're getting thrown over. It's not our cornerbacks. Ron Blaine's a good cornerback. Stephon Gilmore's, Gilmore's a smart cornerback, and when we had Trayvon Diggs, we know that he's capable of. It's our safeties, and it's the way that we scheme this defense. It's I will cut in and say this about our safeties, and I think you'll agree, is the most efficient safety we had did not see – was basically forbidden from seeing the field most of the year, but he's one of the most – Brian Baldinger talked about him. A couple analysts talked about him. Donovan Wilson. Yeah. He, is, he was by yeah. far our best safety – and he, I totally was, agree. He was shadowed by J. Ron Curse most of the year, who had a horrendous year on on paper, 
which I hate to say. I know, he, but yeah, I just wanted to make that point known is that you're right. These safeties sucked and they didn't do their job. And Malik Hooker kind of took a step back from last year. But Donovan Wilson has been playing elite ball at, at safety for the past three seasons. And he got shadowed this year. And I never understood why. Yeah. The only last point I'll make in terms of run defense is Mozzie Smith. You want to look at a true one technique? Like one you look, yeah, you want to look at a true one technique? They wanted to keep him under 300 pounds. Mozzie Smith is a run defense defensive tackle. Absolutely. Jonathan Hankins looks like a one technique. Somebody that just looks like a bowling ball that's just going to sit there. Mozzie Smith looks like a high school defensive end to me. He's, a, he's huge, but he's not big enough to – and he's getting put on his ass. He got smaller. He got smaller. Notice, noticeably. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's yeah. that's all I have for the defense. So it's trying to give an analytical approach in terms of zones and why Jordan Love threw all over us. The only plus that came out of that defense was DeMarcus Lawrence was major in the run game. He actually had a – if you watch that game over again the first half – D-Law was making some plays on defense, but that was the only guy that was making plays yeah. on defense. Yeah, I had that written down as well. <laughs> yep, and best believe Demarcus Lawrence is going to show up. There's really never a time where he doesn't unless yeah, he's playing Yeah, he's hard. consistent all year. He's, he's really good. I mean, I don't think he's a fantastic pass rusher, but when it comes to making defensive plays, he's always squeezing tackles or he's, you know, running down the line on – the opposite end or closing up his gap like he should be. So, I mean, he he played well, but other than that, there is just nothing good to talk about. The tackling was horrible. Yeah. So, oh, Jared, you go ahead. I I could go on for days. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to shout out the – because you were talking about – I just wanted to bring this last piece and then I'll get my own. But uh, you wanted to talk about, like, our defense not playing good against good teams. You know, our listeners are probably wondering – well, why didn't we hear that all year then? We only heard it kind of towards the end of the year. Well, that's because the gauntlet happened at the end of the year. We didn't play any good teams for about six, seven weeks until we went into the gauntlet and saw us get absolutely embarrassed um, by multiple teams. And you go in here, and you know, not including the Cardinals and the, the, uh, the 49ers earlier in the season. So, you know, that's kind of a reason why it wasn't talked about because we said we would evaluate who this team truly is once the gauntlet was complete, um, and we did that. We said that we had concerns going into this, but that everything was handed to us uh, with this seeding. Um, the Eagles lost the games they were supposed to lose um, in terms of uh, for us to get the number one seed to give us a home playoff, um, number two seeded playoff seed. Um we, we favor as the number playing the number two seed versus the lowest seed. And we just show up like this. And so the reason that I, I want to attack this defense is effort. Um, and it, the effort was just atrocious there. I understand Stefan Gilmore is a very talented and smart and intelligent um, cornerback. And he's really very well respected in this league. There's a clip going around um, with him falling following a receiver over the middle and he just takes a, the receiver takes a slight turn and goes the opposite direction. Gilmore runs another 20 yards um, that same direction and um, or the, the complete opposite direction. And Romeo Dubes is just like, you know, where, where'd he go? Um, there was effort, poor effort on tackling. There was poor, poor effort on um, kick returns and punt returns. Uh, we, we, Kevontae Turpin, who I think is a cut candidate this year, uh, this off season, 
brings the ball out from, you know, eight yards back it's when we need some momentum, um, some good starting field position and brings it out to the 10-yard line. Um, yeah. It, it no. just – nothing made sense. Um, everything that your identity showed um, throughout the year on defense, um, it really shined in truth um, in this playoff game because that's who we truly were all along. Another um, note, Sam Williams running into the punter for the Jesus, 17th man. time this year. Yeah, it's it's There's what uh, the medical guy says all the time is that the big one of the biggest problem with the Cowboys is that they have this problem going into the game and they have to make adjustments and they don't make second half adjustments, they don't make yes. season adjustments, they don't make in game adjustments. They just sit, and that's a reflection on the coaching staff every single time. That has nothing to do with the players. The players don't know that they're doing that 17 times a game. They go, man, I get a lot of penalties. Oh shit, I have 17 and. Um, you know, 15 games or whatever, damn, I should probably be coaching how to stop doing what I'm doing. <laughs> or you just not put a defensive end or an edge player out there at Gunner. You know, that's another option. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's kind of my, yeah. And to touch on, on Ryan's point a little bit, and I've made this, I made this point before, you know, you talked about how we ran man all year and then we choose this time to run like zone. Like it's obvious, like we're a better man on man coverage team, right. Then yeah. obviously zone. And to me, it, it's such an indictment on the coaching staff to go into the, one of the biggest games, if not the biggest game of the year, and you run what you're second best at. And so I just don't understand that logic of thinking. Like if we're better at man-to-man coverage and trying to get home with, with four guys or, or bringing a blitz, why don't we, why don't we plan to do that and play? And I've said it before, said it early in the year, play to our strengths rather than the opponent's weakness, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that would have definitely eliminated some of the easier throws. I mean, if we're playing man-to-man, at least you've got a man somewhere in the vicinity of where he has to throw the ball rather right. than, you know, like <laughs> yeah. even if you get beat man-to-man, right, you at least have someone there and you have to make a throw. It's not like throw it into an area. So that's where I, I agree with Ryan 100% and just – the whole indictment on like the defensive game plan going into it. Yeah. I want to add to that plate um, and say, when you say you were going man to man, we want to get four home to the quarterback. Well, guess who's one of the four that was not being blitzed on those downs. Micah Parsons was dropped back into coverage multiple times in this game to where we needed pressure. When Jordan Love had all day to throw, it's like third and nine, third and 10 and a couple of them. And just chunks it about 30 yards over the middle, and there's this wide open space, and you got Parsons looking around like, wait a minute, and I an edge, aren't I an edge rusher? It's just it uh, it's a monstrosity. So we'll I just want to put that last part out there. Um, okay, offensive wise, you're only judging about uh, a quarter and a half of this offense until it gets into garbage time. Um, and so of course, for all of you. Uh, you know, criticizers of, of Dak Prescott, you're going to sit there and say, okay, well, if you're judging the first minute and a half, you've got um, two interceptions from Dak Prescott. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Um, you know, early in this game, it was, it got to 14 to nothing very, very quick. Um, the first drive, like medical guy mentioned earlier, he only had to make, Jordan Love only had to make like one or two throws. Um, the rest was just cakewalk over um, into the end zone. So you're already down two scores. You, ha- you already punted once or twice. Um, you finally get down. Uh, this is when Turpin brings that ball out to about the 11-yard line or so, and Dak Prescott throws a 
a 50-50 ball over the middle for against a poor route from Brandon Cooks, guarded by Jair Alexander that's picked off, and um, they get the ball inside the 20. Um, they score. That's 20 to nothing, and then we're trying to get build our way back into the game. Interception once again. That's 27 to nothing. That's where I stopped watching. Um, and so the rest of the game, everyone's going to say that's garbage time doesn't count. So why even bother talking about it? But if you wanted to, you got 400 yards from Dak Prescott, three touchdowns, which I'm not saying is good at all. He threw it 60 freaking times. Um, but on offense, I want to say there's, there's probably, uh, there's one person I want to point out that showed up and that's Jake Ferguson. Absolutely. The Jake Ferguson showed up and his responses after the game were awesome. He said, all right, well, you know, yeah, how do you respond from this playoff loss? You get your freaking ass in the weight room and you start watching some film and you get ready for next season. Offseason starts today, this afternoon. Um, I ain't wasting no time. I'm getting back in the lab, is what he said. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is the dog that I've been praising all year. This is the dog I've been feeding treats all year. You know, um, I just – it's just sad that the only guy that showed up to freaking play is the one guy that's not paid. The one guy that hasn't gotten a contract is the guy that decided to play. It should tell you something. Uh, yeah. But what do you also the medical guy? I'll start with you. What's your uh, your thoughts in this one and a half quarters of offensive football? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So back to my my good, okay, bad, ass, ass list. Um, <laughs> obviously, Ferg was good. Um, I mean, just some of the stuff he does, how he carries himself how people have talked about him. It's just, it always seems great. And like you said, like just has a different mentality that what seems like the Dallas team needs to move into more of that mentality. Um, at okay. I had O-line. I thought O-line did okay. I mean, I, shoot. You had to drop back at least 61 times. Right. And I don't think a lot of those sacks or the few sacks were on the O-line that much. Um, and then I had bad. I had Dak was bad. Wide receivers were bad. And then uh, the biggest point I want to talk about is, is Mike McCartney. Okay. Um, I'll let y'all go into Dak, water receivers, whatever. I want to harp on Mike McCartney, McCarthy because I vouched for him a few pods back. Right. And he has done everything. It seems like in his capability to absolutely make me eat those words. Um, <laughs> and it seems because <clears throat> when you get into the big games and I was watching a little of the, the all Madden 22 and stuff like that, looking at some of it, and we talk about, you know, setting your players up for success. Whatever offense he dug in his bag of tricks that he has, he went to the very bottom to where all the shit is and pulled those plays out. Because yeah. watching some of the schemes and watching the offensive play call in the first quarter and a half was playing not to lose, was playing not to throw interceptions. And yes. in the last seven games, you basically said like, hey, Dak Prescott, go win us games. And then it's like when the time got tough and when it was nut-cutting time in a playoff game, he went straight back to the first five games of the year and said, like, hey, we're going to try to do stuff to where we don't mess up. And it just – that's what really bothers me about that. It's like Dak has won you games all year. Um, and it's been throwing the ball and moving people around and putting people in good positions. And you just didn't see it throughout the game. You didn't see it uh, – or throughout the game, throughout the first – quarter and a half and then it was you know then it had to be superman ball and that just didn't happen and it was very uncharacteristic of Dak because then he's having to make throws that he normally doesn't want to make or have to make um and then 
you know, just looking at some of the scheming and some of the spacing, like the one pick to the the obviously the pick where it was stoned the Brandon Cooks. I thought that was very foolish to have Brandon Cooks run that route when CD runs that route and wins a hundred percent percent of the time. But yes. then you have like that doesn't make sense to me. And then the pick on the pick six, we have uh, a stop route, three slants, and they're all at the same level. Like yep, that doesn't make Kurt sense, Warner, man. That, that makes that no down. sense. So Dak reads yep. that uh, that that defensive player breaking on his guy, but since it's at the on the first slant, but since it's at the same level, he just sees Dak look that way, and it's like, well, that's easy money, and he's going to CD Lamb, so it's like. Yeah. Why would you not throw it there? And so just some of the game plan. And then I know there's other stats, but I think I read that, you know, after they got down, after Dallas got down, which was really quick, um, Dak's second first down pass didn't come until like nine minutes left in the second quarter. And that's like, that's why we're down 20 to zero. What are we doing? And yeah. so that's just – I wanted to harp on him because whatever game plan and how it affected the the whole offense coming in was was just so bad and so just very not confident in your team. And I just think he needs to receive as much criticism as anybody else on this list. So Yep. Uh, um, my quick analysis of that was that the Dallas Cowboys showed up and looked like the 2022 – Dallas Cowboys that we complained so much about with Kellen Moore with spacing issues with routes at the sticks. Um, and to quote the one that you're talking about where we had three slants all at the same time, um, that's a quick throw. And there was a play fake in, from the shotgun on the quick throw. Yeah. And there was no RPO because you didn't see the, the, the running, the, the lineman run blocking. Every one of them took a pass step first. So that's designed pass to where you're play faking a quick throw slant over the middle. It makes zero sense. It's yeah. it's just terrible, and I think Dak knew it because it's his play fake was half ass. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted yeah that that just it just drives me insane. The scheme itself, it didn't look Texas coast. It looked like give up coast. Um, <laughs> it looked like blow it up coast. Um, but um, the analyst, yeah, I'll give you your your minutes here. Yeah, my my mine's just building off of what Jacob has said. Um, the first note I have is. The nail in the coffin for me was running on every first down. I mean, we literally, anytime we got a first down through the air on like third and six because we ran the ball, um, we would throw three tight ends in. We'd put Dak underneath the center, no motion, and we'd run it up the center's butt every time. And then we'd try it again with one less tight end on the field, and then we'd put all our guys out there and try and throw the ball. And it's just – we went away from everything we were good at all year and what was working later in the year. We got Pollard. Pollard really showed up in the last part of the year because we were doing outside tackle runs, quick pitches, getting our linemen in space, and that just was non-existent. Um, quick plays to CD Lamb in the middle of the field and stuff like that, non-existent. Tight end seam routes, we ran one that was almost another interception for Dak. And that's placed to his strength. But the one thing that I want to point out the most is motion before the snap. CD Lamb, when he's in motion, is what opens up or is what opened up the offense for Dallas all year. And we didn't do a single thing with that. So yeah. 
No. Nobody played good at, on, at all on the off the side of the ball until the game was over for me. O-line was decent. Running backs were not. Um, wideouts gave up. I mean, the video of C.D. Lamb getting pushed in the back and just walking off the field, that's embarrassing. Um, <laughs> and then to me, it's kind of like, <clears throat> to Jerry's point, and I'll, I'll open up more on Dak later, but, you know, it just came down to trying to make a play. And I just, with this, Offensive scheme, it just it felt like it, those two interceptions were Dak just trying to force something good to come out of out of it. And uh, the first one, uh, I felt like Brandon Cooks got bullied. That route was to me half ass, and he just got bullied by Alexander. And the yeah. second throw was like Jared pointed out, it was spacing issues and a desperation throw. And that's that was the real nail in the coffin. So it just Dak did not play good. Nobody played good on the offensive side of the ball, and it just felt like this was a shell of of an offense that we've ran all year. But it goes back to the point that I think Jacob made about McCarthy is like in these big games, it feels like when our defense gets down, if we play from behind, and they kept saying this on the broadcast when they scored first they you know they showed that stat when Dallas scores first we're 12 and 0 when somebody else scores first we're 10 and 5 or we're 10 and 0 when we score first and then somebody else scores first we're 2 and 5 to me that shows the point i made early in the year during the bills game where it's like any offense any nfl offense and i can speak cuz i've seen those playbooks from my brother-in-law they have a script and they run the script to a T unless something goes back or goes bad. And to me, yeah. that's McCarthy. When we go down, it's almost like, you know, forget the script. We got to figure something out. And his reaction is running on first down, pulling out, you know, low risk screenplays or, you know, get the ball out quick, no motion. And, and that really showed in this game where it just seemed like everything became unraveled as soon as Green Bay scored. If you watched, if you've watched any Dallas game, you watch that first drive. Go back and watch that first drive. You you knew immediately, like where the script was done. Yeah, it was it was disrupted. It was blown up. It was gone. Um, yeah, and that's what I meant. I have it in my notes that Dak went to he went into heave mode, and that's exactly what I meant. Is is that it? It was over. Like yep. the script, like the game plan, whatever the whatever the heck that it was as bad as it probably was in the first place. Um, it was, it was completely shattered within a quarter, which is embarrassing. It's just embarrassing. Um, and I've really touched on all I can touch with this game. Um, and so I'm kind of, I'm kind of eager for what's next with the Dallas Cowboys and, the, and I've got it down there. Um, but before we get into that, let's go ahead and do our, uh, our DB list from the medical guy. <laughs> Um, and then we'll do our uh, – we'll figure out what's next for the Dallas Cowboys. All right, sweet. So we'll get into the two-minute drill. Start with the DB list. Okay, the first uh, – y'all know what the first two are going to be, so I'm going to do the third one. Uh, and this <laughs> one's just kind of off script a little bit. But uh, about a, a – probably close to a week ago, there was an article put out with professional baseball. Okay, and I don't know if y'all saw this. It was written by Ken Rosenthal. Rosenthal was posted on ESPN and whatnot. And the point he was trying to making it trying to make was like, yeah, we get it. His point was, 
you know, in regarding to teams extending young players at like, you know, like the Tatis, the Cabrian Hayes, and the other one he used was Wander Franco. <laughs> and he was like, you know, you have to look at these things and whatnot. And, you know, what are the risks of signing a player in their early, early 20s, yada, yada. And then he goes into start it off with leading into Wander Franco, who, if everybody has seen, you know, yeah. got in trouble with legal problems with, you know, being a sexual predator, essentially. And he let it off with that. And it was like, bro, like, you want to talk about having zero feel. Like, yeah, I don't think, I don't think GMs and, and whatnot go into signing young players being like, I don't know, is he going to date a 14-year-old or not? Like, <laughs> yeah. come on, like, have some feel about your article. And usually he's not bad about whatever he writes and whatnot, but I thought that was just a very odd and just completely out of pocket and out of touch uh, example to use. Like, you you got all these people you could use and you use that. Like, yeah. I just was like, brother, like, hey, step, like, and I mean, to go into it, there's tons of higher ups that had to prove that article. It's not like he just prints it off and puts it in without nobody right. knowing. And so it's just like, Dude, multiple people said it checked out and they're like yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that'll work put put wander franco on the on the and his picture was like on the article it's like bro we could have could have been one of those things you could have like not talked about yeah, i could have um, just tweeted that one out deleted it you know an hour yeah, later yeah somebody should have should have looked over that but going into my next two um i've got the nfc east playoff representatives uh the showing the two teams from the nfc east put out was almost unbearable to watch um you know yeah obviously talked about the cowboys but the eagles what they put out yesterday was atrocious and i don't want to dog on them because like you could give them all the all the excuses you want but i mean they had different between them and the cowboys they had tons of injuries they've been crappy for a while and have kind of been exposed and then they got beat by a team who you know, is not terrible. I mean, as you can see, they've got weapons. They've got a competent quarterback. They're coached by a defensive mind, and so they could play well in the in the Buccaneers. But good God, that was awful. And just to see that's what was represented from the NFC East was just brutal. Um, and so, you know, I mean, what what is that? Between the two teams, there was, what, almost 80 points scored by the opponent? <laughs> and mm-hmm. so, like – that's that, to me that was just awful and it's where they they give the nickname the nfc least because of what we just put out there um and then my number one obviously is anything associated with the dallas cowboys we're obviously all on the db list you know <laughs> yeah. the organization and the fans i mean we we do this whole thing where we build our hopes up and like i talked about before the podcast you know the dallas Cowboys syndrome where it's like we're there we're there we're there we're there and then we, we get our hearts broken every year from some stupid shit that always happens. <laughs> like, yeah. We just absolutely plummet. And so that's my DV list. Number one, Dallas Cowboys fan, anything associated with it. Number two, the NFC East playoff representatives. Um, and then obviously Ken Rosenthal, Rosenthal and his absolutely out-of-pocket example. Yeah, Ken, <laughs> Ken Rosenthal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, well. 
hell of a DB list there. We we're, we'll concur with you. We'll agree with you that you know the number one is the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I mean, clearly, look at usually we're all on here with True Brand hats or a Dallas Cowboys sweatshirt. Ain't no, no ain't nobody wearing True Brand today. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. we ain't Dallas the truest. Stars. It's a Dallas yeah. podcast now. Yeah, yeah, you can tell. You can tell how my week's been. I'm wearing a, a fucking Coors hat. Um, yeah, part of my French, but um, okay. What's next for the Dallas Cowboys? This is um, <laughs> this is that time of the year where you have to accept reality and be like, okay, well, I guess um, I just made a PFF mock draft. Um, <laughs> yeah. And um, my opening statements on this is um, yeah, I'm going to give kind of this opening monologue, keep it kind of short, stick, stick to my points. Um, but one – I'm moving on from Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn. I know we kind of mentioned that at the beginning of the podcast, but I'm going to move on from both of them. Um, I think the mediocrity, me, mediocrity against good teams um, continues to exist every season with top-tier Dallas rosters. I mean, these are the best rosters we've seen Dallas Cowboys have um, since Dak Prescott entered the league and really since Romo entered the league and had DeMarco Murray and Witten and Des Bryant in their primes with uh, the that – awesome offensive line, uh, which is unacceptable and it's completely embarrassing. So number one, I think you need to move on from Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn. Um, and as mentioned, you know, we'll get into it probably a little bit, but Dan Quinn has some interviews with some, with numerous teams for head coach, um, including the Seattle Seahawks, who has ties to. Um, and if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, my second step would be, I want to find a culture coach or there's two, sorry, there's two directions you can go. You find a culture coach or you go the, the young electric route. Um, either way, I think you start a new, uh, with the new quarterback and build around that guy. Uh, and if you guys know me literally last week, I had a Dak Seifel verse. What great timing that was. Um, <laughs> and yes, I am a believer in Dak. Uh, it's nothing to say about the player that Dak is. Um, and we'll get into him just a little bit more specifically here in a little bit. Um, it has to do with the Dallas Cowboys organization. I, I truly believe that um, that the Jerry Jones has let him down and he's let Tony Romo down and he's let a lot of careers down. Um, so I think it'd be best for Dak Prescott to leave. Um, even if he was offered a contract, I would refuse it. Um, but what I mean by a culture coach is this. I'm not saying Belichick, but I'm saying a guy like Vrabel, a guy that – comes in there and says we're going to we're going to play football a certain way. We're going to tackle a certain way. We're going to show up to practice a certain way. We're going to have this effort a certain way. We're not going to have these independent brands left and right to where it's like, "Oh, well you've got your Tempur-Pedic commercial and and you've got your price picks and Michael Parsons, you've got your own locked on Cowboys show um where we're we're always complaining or clapping back at somebody. That that's not what we are. We're about the team, we're about football, nothing about individual brands. Going in there, changing the culture, and then Patton, two great offensive and defensive coordinators along with the head coach. Um, basically, this is not a Jason Garrett where you're like, you know, we're gonna clap our way, everything's great all the time. No, it's it's the complete opposite of that. Um, and then go or go the young electric route, and that's with a guy like Ben Johnson or the the offense coordinator for the Houston Texans is another name. Um, uh, I can, he's got a weird last name. It's like Slovic or something like yeah, that. It's Bobby Slovic. Yeah, Bobby Slovic. Um, those two guys. And then you pair him with 
a young rookie elite, get yourself a freak. I don't care who it is. If you got to wait for them, get yourself a freak quarterback. And then you sit that coach down, whoever it is, the culture coach or the young electric one, and you say, what do you want? Okay, you want these guys. I'm going to go get them, whatever it takes. Uh, no ties to this organization of who the players are. It's a business anyway. Jerry Jones sits down with this coach and goes, what do you want? Okay, I'll go get it. Um, and, and I think that would really change things dramatically. But um, in terms of Dallas and its core, its players, you know, you have Micah Parsons probably going to get re-signed. Um, you know, your most valuable re-signings, Parsons, Lamb, Tyler Smith. Um, you know, Zach Martin's still there. He's playing good ball. Um, Darren, Deron Bland and, you know, a young promising linebacker in Overshone. That's a good core to build something around. Um, like I, the, the analogy I made is you have the circus. Now go get the freak. Go get the one where everybody gasps and says, this is amazing. How did you do that? The guy from fucking Madagascar 3 who goes through the little loop, you know, it's just incredible. Get that freak. Go find that freak quarterback. And I think that's those are your next steps for the Dallas Cowboys. That's my little monologue. I stuck to the points. But uh, what would you guys do? I mean, do you agree with anything that I was saying here? Um, what kind of direction do you want to go in terms of coach if you were going to get a new candidate? Um, the analysts, I'll kind of let you start on this. Um, but I want to know you guys' thoughts because they could be different than mine. Well, mine is a little bit different because I think mine's a little bit more of reality. I don't think you can go get a free quarterback in the draft position that Dallas is in. Um, they would have to give up a ton of capital that I don't think Jerry Jones is willing to give up. But I think I'll start from the beginning. And that, like this is what we were saying at the beginning of the podcast is this starts with Jerry Jones. If Jerry Jones was actually serious about winning Super Bowls, then he realized that himself and his family are not good at evaluating coaches or players, and they need to let a coach and GM handle football instead of meddling in all of what happens, and that's been the problem for 30 years. It goes back to when he fired Jimmy Johnson, and everybody knows the story because everybody pays attention to the Cowboys. But we're ta I'm talking about today's team. I'm talking about how we've had the conversations over the year, how they blow second through fifth round picks, on mm -hmm. dumb players like um, Hendershot, or not Hendershot, uh, Schoonmaker, on yeah. Deuce Vaughn, on just for the feel-good picks, um, giving out terrible contracts, to name a few, Michael Gallup, Jalen Smith, the Zeke contract, and how that set this team back in progression because they know that they like their guys. That's just how Dallas runs, and it's just not working. So to me, Dallas will never win a Super Bowl until that ever happens. And everything that I'm about to say that follows, I don't think is going to matter because it's Jerry Jones. But if it were me, to start with McCarthy, he's fired as of right after that football game. To start with Dan Quinn, he's fired right after that football game. That's an embarrassment because of all the, the facts we laid out earlier. And then we come to Dak. And this is where, Jared, me and you are going to disagree. So he did not look good in the first half of this game whatsoever. He's had a great season and just came out to a master class disaster in this last game. So you have a – I'm going to hammer him a little bit. You have a week to prepare with your wide receiver two in the league right behind Tyreek Hill. 
you go out there and you look at each other like lost puppies. I mean, they looked completely out of sync. Yeah. And I'm a big Dak fan. Everyone knows this. I've defended him with my life. We've made that joke a thousand times. <laughs> but at this point, I don't know how much more I can defend about him. Um, he's a great QB in this league. And when he wants to be, he is. And he has shown that he can play with the best of them. But sometimes in big games, the coaching is what gets him in trouble. And that's what sets him up to fail. However, he is not good enough to overcome that type of problem. Guys like Josh Allen, Mahomes, Rodgers, Lamar, they all have an ability that sets them apart and allows them to hit that second gear where they can just make the plays that you want your all-star QB to make. I feel like I have to admit Dak, Dak does not have that. Um, unless you can find a coach that's worth it with an offensive scheme, he does not have the ability to be – the next level playmaker in a game like that where you feel like you have a chance. And I'm going to admit that now he's not going to be Josh Allen where you're like down 20 to seven. And all of a sudden we, you go down and get a quick score. He doesn't have that in him. And that's just a fact. But yeah, my next point is like, you know, that Mike McCarthy and Dak is never going to win a Super Bowl. Just like you knew that Kellen Moore and Dak was never going to win a Super Bowl or JG and Dak. We're going to win Jason Garrett. We're never going to win a Super Bowl. So I think in the Cowboys situation, you have to choose one. You have to choose Mike McCarthy or Dak Prescott. And in my opinion, I'm choosing Dak. And that because he's shown me that he can play. And so uh, in the Cowboys situation, I would keep him and get another coach. Because um, let's be honest with yourselves. You look at this roster, like Jared said, and you are a few pieces away from really competing for the Super Bowl. You just have to put these pieces in the right spot. And I feel like Dallas has not gotten a coach or a defensive coordinator or an offensive coordinator that uses them to their best abilities. So for my head coaching candidates is my yeses are, Jared, like Jared said, Bobby Slovic. He's a, and the reason yeah. I, he's on the top like of my it. list is because he's a Shanahan guy. And if you look around the league, who's, who's in the playoffs right now or the playoffs that people were scared of that are Shanahan guys. The yeah, Packers yeah. that just beat the shit out of us. <laughs> Kyle Shanahan, his son, who's leading the 49ers, who are going to now dog walk through the entire NFC. Sean McVay, who took it, the Rams team that was not very good at the beginning of the season to, oh, my God, they're threats. Exactly. So, to me, that's your number one candidate. Ben Johnson's another great candidate because he's young. Just give me somebody from the Shanahan tree, essentially. Yeah. But my no thanks is Bill Belichick. He is not fixing this roster. No, Mike Vrabel's not. not fixing this roster. Arthur Smith is not fixing this roster. Guys like that that are just been coaching in this league and you think they have a reputation, they are not fixing this roster. That old style of football is not fixing it. And basically, my no thanks is essentially anyone Jerry Jones is actually going to go hard. <laughs> yeah. the wrong decision. That's the hundred percent. That's the that but yeah, absolutely. That's the that's the end of my my take right there. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna keep Dak, you have to get the right coach, and I don't think Dallas has the ability to get that correct. They won't do it. They no. they won't go get the coach that the best coach money can buy. They won't do it. Um, well, the best way. coach in their headset is the best coach that money can buy is Bill Belichick. Well, Bill Belichick yeah. has been nothing without Tom Brady. 
and he doesn't know how to run an offensive scheme. So he's going to go pull in one or of draft. these guys like Josh McDaniels, and it's going to be an absolute disaster class. Name yeah. the best piece of talent that the Patriots have gotten from the draft since Tom Brady retired or since he left the organization. You can't even name it. You so, can't name one. You, I mean, you can think of like Nick Heel Harry. I remember that one. He's terrible. Um, you know, it's just well, you saw the the stat. What was it that uh the Patriots and Bill Belichick drafted more have more head coaches than they did what like all pro players or something like that? Yep. And so I mean they have like you know, nine people being a coach and then in his time there or something like that, outside of Tom Brady, it's like minimal all pro players. Yep. So it's nuts. But that sums up my my take is like in Cliff Notes version, you got to choose between one or two. You got to go Dak. And then they got to get the right head coaching candidate or at least the best OC they can get. And I just don't think Dallas is capable of doing that. So, yeah, there you go. I'll- yeah, I'll touch base on a little bit of that. I'll let the medical guy give his spiel. Yeah, so I'm in a lot of agreement with, with y'all um, on both sides of it. You know, what's next for the Cowboys? I agree with both of y'all. It's got to be some type of philosophy change from the top to the bottom, right? Uh, Jerry Jones, obviously, he has to take a step back and look like, hey, I've tried doing it my way, which we know this won't happen, but I've tried doing it my way. I've tried having my hands and my irons in the pot all the time. And it hasn't worked and it worked 35 well i guess 31 years ago and it hasn't worked since right and so i think there needs to be a philosophy change from that standpoint like hey let these coaches coach let these people that analyze this stuff every day and literally have so much information uh in front of them do their job and then to trickle down that to kind of go into jared's point about a philosophy change and kind of what i talked about with shadow script is getting into more of like Hey, let's let's realize like Dallas Cowboys used to mean something, right? You know, those yeah. those teams we talked about, it used to mean something. And let's get back to that philosophy of like, hey, just because you're a Dallas Cowboy doesn't mean you're a winner or doesn't mean you're a Super Bowl winner. Like we haven't done that in years. So it's not really that anymore. So let's like bring that standard up right. and earn the start. And not and not yeah, and not just like a, a media standard where we're always in the running just because we're the most famous franchise and organization in the world. Um, And so that's my biggest thing for the next move for the Cowboys getting to the coaches and stuff like that. I kind of have it written down to where if we're going to keep Dak, right, you've got to keep him and extend him. Okay. Reason being, we get into a number standpoint and we know how some people, some of the organization likes to cut checks and, and really try to save money and give out bad contracts. Jerry Jones' son. Yeah. And so (laughs) if, the if you're gonna keep Dak, you've got to keep him and, and you've got to extend him, right? If you keep him for one more year, he's a sixty million dollar cap hit. If you cut him, he's a sixty million dollar uh, cap hit. And so, really, right there, you're not doing yourself any good. And so, and they've put themselves in this position. I've said it for a while now that, and they like I've said, history repeats itself. They did it back in 2018 when Dak balled out. And they didn't pay him. And then when they were talking about having to pay him like $25 million a year, he balls out. We got to pay him 40 And now we've gotten to the point where he comes out and puts out an MVP caliber uh, season. And we're going to have to pay him like an MVP caliber player. And, you know, the history just repeats itself. So if you're going yeah. with Dak, you've, it's a money thing. 
um, or get ready for get ready to suck for a couple, for a few years. That's right. basically what it is. Um, yeah. If you give if if you're getting rid or keeping McCarthy, which I know we all have our our stands on it. The good thing about McCarthy is his offense can be good. We've seen it all year. It can be good. And it seems like his relationship with Dak and the offense and the team, for that matter, seems to be everybody likes him. The bad thing is he has a ceiling. We've all seen it. He gets to a certain point and he can't get past it. And the last time he got past it, he had one of the best quarterbacks ever to play the game. And then when you saw they got rid of the quarterback, he was not very good. And then they got rid of him and brought in a, another quarterback and they've been good yep. again. So, you know, his ceiling. Um, yep. And then all I have written for Dan Quinn is see ya. Um, <laughs> and the reason for that is obvious. Um, we play good teams. It's bad. We get into nut cutting time. It's bad. And, I know, you know, he's seen, he, he's probably a good guy, and a lot of people, you know, ride for him and whatnot, but what he's put out in the good games is just not good enough. And if the Seattle Seahawks want him, see ya. Go go do that. But there's no way, as an organization, I could look at the – you could look at the tape and, like, playing good teams and especially a playoff game and look at that and be like, yeah, I want to hire him as a head coach who's over defensive, you know, aspect right. of the team. And so that that's where I am right there on that. And so if you're asking for my opinion, I'm saying we keep Dak because if you look at it, we get rid of Dak, you're I mean, it's what a two percent chance on hitting on a quarterback ever. Yeah, that's so my point. If if you're getting rid of Dak, don't I mean you you've got to set your, your bar hella low. And so I mean you look at quarterbacks now, right? The, the next Jesus of quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence, yes, he's good, but is he better than Dak, right? I mean, you look at other organizations that would love a Derek Carr, right? And I don't think he's bad. I don't think he's great, but you have organizations like the Browns, the Saints, um, who else? The Buccaneers and, and the Giants, the Commanders who have just been in quarterback hell for years outside of a two-year gap period, or they had Drew Brees for forever. Before that, they had nobody. And so Mm -hmm. if you're going to go that route, be ready to suck and be ready to miss on a quarterback and be ready to rip this team when they draft a quarterback or they go in and like, hey, we want – God, what was the quarterback's name that played for the Broncos that got drafted? drafted Paxton Lynch. Paxton Lynch. Like, get ready for Jerry Jones to go in and say, like, nah, I want that guy, and then see what happens. And so that's just my point on that. If you go away from Dak, be ready. Um, Because it's – I mean, we've talked about before Tony Romo, the quarterback hell the Cowboys were in. They they were awful. I was about to say, if you you get rid of (laughs) Dak, get ready for the post-Super Bowl to 2007 era of Cowboys football where it's just like Danny White – that Carter, Quincy Carter guy, where it's just like yeah. suck for 70 years. year old Vinny Testaverde, Chad Hutchinson. Yes. The well, ghost, the entire organization. The ghost of like, <laughs> yeah. The ghost of yeah. Well, the entire organization needs a revamp on culture. And when yeah. you look at it in hindsight and retrospect, you have eight years of Dak Prescott 
and nothing accomplished. And that's the harsh reality of it. And so, yes, the best option would be to keep Dak Prescott because, yeah, the it's the hit percent on a, on a rookie quarterback is going to be pretty low. But at the same time, where would that get you? You're in that rock in a hard place to where you're in that gray area oh, that absolutely. tells you you're like, uh, it's kind of like a job situation. You know, it was like I had a close friend that was in this situation. It was like, well, my job isn't that bad, but, you know, it's not great either. It could definitely improve. And so you're thinking, do I make a risk and go improve my life or do I sit to where I'm at and it just stays mediocre? And it stays in that gray area. And I think that's where the Dallas Cowboys at, even if they re-sign Dak Prescott. Because if they do that, then I'm going – and I did it this year again. I said I've I've made this promise in 20 – I think it was 20 – right before COVID. I said I'll never say it's our year. I'll never say that we're going to win a Super Bowl. I'll just watch every year and my expectation will be low. It'd be the same thing again. Another three years of, well, all right, well, we'll see what happens in the playoffs. But um, yeah. we've seen that dance before. The 49ers probably aren't going to get any worse. I'm saying that when I say Dak needs to leave, it's not that I don't believe in him. It's oh yeah, it's the fact that at sometimes you gotta suck to be great. Yeah. And and that's kind of taking words from the kid. So yeah. that's it's not saying I, I believe I think either option is good. Um, and because as long as you fire Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn, <laughs> I think keeping Dak isn't the worst option in the world, yeah. but also going and drafting quarterback. Um, and having a bridge quarterback in between there, however you want to do it, I don't know. You're, but again, like Jacob, like you said, we're stuck. You know, you, you yeah. have to pay him. You have Absolutely. to. Absolutely. So, and yeah. and then to touch on like the draft. I mean, after this draft and the last two, outside of a couple of picks, like how confident are we in draft picks? Right. Right. I mean, essentially, outside of Mozzie Smith, who played the lowest percentage he's played all year. I mean, what are our, our draft class this year and Luke Schoonmaker, right? They were all inactive all year. Like, right. And so I don't I don't feel very confident in that either. And, you know, if Dak does leave, get ready for 25 teams to just dish money out to him. Um, yeah. And then he's going to go absolutely berserk. So, yeah, two things could happen. He, yeah. They could either say well, he is who we thought he was from the media's perspective, or yeah. we go – he is who we thought he was, who was yeah. a great a great quarterback in the NFL. So yeah. And then for my coaches, I have kind of broken down how Ryan has it. I have Jerry's list, which is Belichick, Belichick, Vrabel, Harbaugh. I would say no to all of those. Uh, maybe on Vrabel, just because if we talk about yeah. philosophy, yeah. he's at least gonna be like, Hey, if maybe. we get in a fight after the game, we're winning. Um, and so those, those are his, so I, I wouldn't be. I would be mad at the Belichick, the Harbaugh one, the Vrabel one. I would have to just get over. Um, and then my list would obviously be the two y'all named: Bobby Slovic, Ben Johnson. If we want to go in a certain round, I don't want Mark, Mike McCarthy back. But if you're going to get a new head coach who had his hands all over the offense, you got to be prepared for them to be like bumps and bruises going through the first year with a new offense. And so that's yeah. where I think you could kind of get in a little bit of like, eh, I don't know, because now you're having to pick up a whole new offense, new cadences, new reads, new audibles and whatnot. And so that's where I could see that could be a problem. If you 
brought Mike McCarthy back to at least get in the same offense and you just got to tell him like, Hey dude, don't be a dumbass And like, let's let, I mean, when he let, uh, we've seen when he let Dak do what Dak can do, we're very good. When you go back into shell mode and say, Oh, we want to play really conservative. Dak sucks. It's real. It's it. There's no like yeah. if or if or but it's like be good or you're going to suck. And so those are, that's just kind of my take on there. Um, but yeah, I think we all kind of have the same, yeah. same kind of, uh, you know, summation of this whole thing is like, we're kind of, you know, between a rock and a hard place right here. And it's because of the Cowboys own doing. So, yeah, it's the organization's doing. Um, and there's a whole lot more we're going to touch on with the Dallas Cowboys over the off season. So this isn't the last time you'll hear about what's next and what our next moves will be. There'll be a lot of reactions to things that are happening in the NFL. Um, and this episode is going to be, it's, it's primarily, going to be this just this Dallas Cowboys talk. So we want to touch a little bit on the wild card recap. Um, and then, of course, we're going to get into, uh, in just a minute, the wild card recap, like I mentioned, and then some predictions after that. Um, but the analysts wanted to give you your uh, your little two-minute drill, a little spiel with some uh, statistics. Um, so go ahead, Brian, whenever you are ready. Well, I didn't have a clip to pull this week because I was in literal depressed mode. So <laughs> yep. I went with the stats again. Because he actually broke his computer. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I've, I had a really hard time watching any more football after that. So Agreed. Anyway, wild card weekend. Here we go. Let's get the ugly out of the way. Jordan Love, 16 of 21, three touchdowns. He almost had a perfect passer rating against the Cowboys. Only reason he didn't is because we kind of made the game close at the end. And they had to bring back uh, – he, he had to come back in the game and he threw in a completion. My God, how embarrassing. Um, Aaron Jones, 21 attempts, 118 yards, three touchdowns. I'm not sure if he's actually go- good or if the Cowboys run defense is filled with elementary kids. <laughs> Romeo Dabbs, uh, six receptions, 150 yards, one touchdown. Bottom line, absolutely embarrassing. He was like the new Devontae Adams out there. And then let's move on to some other games here. I've got Nico Collins, six receptions, 96 yeah. yards, one touchdown. Another huge game for him. He's clearly Stroud's top guy. I mean, he's really emerged as a as a pretty good receiver. I'm sure he'll be in a lot of fantasy watches next year. Nico! Then, uh, Flacco, two picks are really going to hurt you. Just ask, just ask Dak about those picks. Uh, <laughs> I, had to take a, I had to take a dig at my guy. Now, for the rookie watch. A lot of rookies showed out these uh, wild card games. I mean, we'll start with C.J. Stroud, you know, 16 of 21, 274 yards and three touchdowns. Huge game for him. He was throwing all over the yard at home. Happy for you, Stroud. Happy. Good job. I wish all the Texans fans would shut up, and I would actually, like, enjoy watching this God-fearing man. But Let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase it for you, Ryan. I wish all the Houston, Texas fans would shut the fuck up about yes. <laughs> in my face because I, I'm trying to appreciate a great thing like Stroud, and you guys are in my ear all the – yeah. Go yeah. Ahead. So you'll make it ridiculously hard to even remotely care about your team. I, I mean, y'all y'all play the biggest stepbrother role I've ever seen – or, I mean, role I've ever seen. What y'all do is – I had a guy that was on a bachelor trip with me six months ago that I've met one time text me after the game. 
And I haven't talked to him in seven months since the wedding. Yeah, I had a guy from Canada and my old roommate that I uh, from junior college that I spoke to them in a year and a half, two years, and they came out of the woodwork and said, "How about them Cowboys?" I was like, "Yeah, what? That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Is that oh. only occurs with Texans fans?" All my all my friends knew I was on Hotline Watch, so they just yeah. they just tried not to text me because it might be the last text they get, man. So yeah, you got you got some mature <laughs> friends. I've got friends that just want to see me. One eight hundred. Choke yeah. and die. Um, <laughs> moving on, Rasheed Rice, eight receptions, 130 yards, one touchdown. Another huge rookie performance, and finally some Mahomes help. Um, what and that game looked absolutely terrible. What I mean by that is <laughs> yeah. it looked like a game that I would not want to play in at all. It was freezing cold. When you were cold, I just think about like when I was a kid playing in cold weather games and hitting my fingernail on the face mask in like 30 degree weather. And it felt like my finger was going to come off. Imagine being that at a negative nine degree weather in an NFL football game. You got me, you know what, up. But um, anyway, Puka Nakua, nine receptions, 181 yards, one touchdown. Yes, the Rams lost. Dog. But an outstanding season from Puka, man. He's an absolute dog. And he looks like he might be Stafford's one from now on as Cooper Cup is just like falling off a cliff. He's kind of getting to the end of his career. Injuries are creeping up on him like Jacob's covered all year. So, you know, it's kind of a crazy emergence. And like I've said before, Matthew Stafford just knows how to make, like, receivers out of nowhere. Like, Calvin Johnson was not a receiver out of nowhere, but he knows how to force feed a receiver to the end of time. And then um, the player of the week for me has to go to Baker Mayfield. Um, everybody doubted him all year, 22 – Completions on 36 attempts, 337 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, the Bucks have no choice but to hand him contract. Um, he has proven yeah. he belongs. And just think about if the Browns still had him, what they could be doing right now. Ooh. Instead, they go handing out their contract to Deshaun Watson. Imagine if they never let Baker Mayfield go. So that's going to wrap up my two-minute drill, and, and we'll leave it at that. Um, yeah, so – yeah, but remember what I said, Texans fans, y'all duck and kiss my ass. <laughs> Chat small town. Uh, <laughs> all right, well let's get. Into... <laughs> all right, let's get into uh, our NFC uh, wild card recap. You know we're gonna keep this a little brief, um, but kind of just give y'all a little rundown here. Um, all right, the number three seed, the Lions. They they face the number six seed. Um, Los Angeles Rams defeating them 24 to 23. Um, my notes on this one, I said I had a, it was a tight game until the finish. Um, it was an outstanding matchup between, um, two white privileged men, uh, Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford. Um, there was some beef before the game that Stafford would not be welcome into Detroit stadium. Um, how ironic would it be for a, 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 a white, a white person to be welcomed into Detroit in the first place besides Eminem? Um, so, which, yeah, um, all jokes. But uh, I think a defensive, <laughs> I think I think a, a a DPI defensive pass interference should have been called on Puka late in that fourth, late in that fourth quarter. Um, but it, I don't know if y'all saw, but Matthew yeah. Stafford got absolutely rocked, oh, yeah. uh, and they just continued to play through it. Um, so he he was playing with his heart in his sleeve for sure. Um, so shout out to Stafford on that. Uh, but any quick uh, notes um, from the medical guy on this? on this game and then we'll transition to the, the analyst. Yeah, I got, you know, this was the best game of the week by far. Uh, most enjoyable to watch. Um, 
and, and just like an enjoyment of playoff football compared to all the other games that were played. Um, second, I just have Puka in all caps letters because, I mean, that was just a showing. Uh, and then my last point was like the Lions defense showed up, especially in the run game. Uh, I think they held Kyron Williams to 63 yards. I think it was a little dinged up throughout the game. But, um, you know, I think the Lions are actually ranked like first in run defense, but their pass defense has been atrocious. Um, and it kind of showed. Yeah. But those are just kind of my quick notes. Best game to watch all year or all playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. And the analyst. Yeah, I mean, for this one, I, I would agree. This is the game to watch of the weekend. Um, but I just – I almost wanted to see Stafford win in Detroit. Yeah. I thought that would have been really cool. But, you know, also I got to give the Lions props. They haven't won a game – playoff game in 30 years or hosted one in a long time. So it's kind of cool to see the Lions, like, come out of the depths of just suck for the last 30 years. So uh, Goff played amazing. Uh, I really liked uh, the back and forth there. Um, and it was, it was just kind of like Jared pointed out last game, it was kind of like a popcorn scene of, you know, this is the game to watch the weekend. So um, Lions got their hands full with uh, the Bucks next weekend. No, I think that would be a better game than most are, are thinking. Yeah. yeah, I think they're a lot more evenly matched than anticipated. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, I think Baker – Baker's got the smelling salts. I don't know if y'all saw that clip yeah. of him walking out the tunnel with the smelling salts. Um, I texted one of my buddies before um, earlier this morning. I was like, "When hey, when Baker plays well, it makes it makes it makes people stand up and get hyped. Yeah, especially I don't know. I just when he, I don't think he's a top twelve quarterback in the NFL, but he is a starter in the NFL. And when he plays good, you really want to rally behind him. He's just that kind of quarterback. He's very electrifying." He's good for the NFL. He's good for business. And he's good for the players. He's all about the team. Um, but there are moments where he's, yeah, I mean, he is about the team in general. But um, he's got his own his own moments that'll make you want to stand up and scream some patriotic terms. Um, so Baker's awesome. Um, yeah. And so the going into the Buccaneers versus Eagles game, Baker's awesome. Um, you know, he yeah. overperformed in this game and. Uh, Philadelphia continued to get exposed defensively. And again, we, we talked about Philadelphia coming into the playoffs, just no momentum whatsoever. They, they're already talking about hiring Nick's or firing Nick Sirianni. Um, their whatever security guy was able to get back on the field. They thought that would have broken their streak of losing. It turns out their scheme just sucks ass. Um, and, you know, of course, they were missing AJ Brown. Um, this was just it was just the end for Philadelphia. Um, they were fraud, just like us. They were on the DB list, as the medical guy mentioned earlier. Um, they get crushed 32 to 9 from the uh the Buccaneers. So uh yeah, what are y'all's quick points here on the uh, on the blowout game? I, I know medical guy said it was worse, it was probably worse than the Dallas performance. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. Go ahead, Jacob. I'll let you go first. Yeah, I, my notes are – you got the Eagles are in the same place as the Cowboys right now. I mean, just absolute, you know, turmoil right now. You know, the, the coach – they're ready to fire the coach before he even gets to the playoffs. And, you know, the offense looked abysmal. Um, the defense has been bad all year. Um, and like Ryan said, it's showing how meaningful those coordinators were to that team last year. 
Um, and, and you've already got Jason Kelsey retired. I would imagine there's going to be some more retirements with coming up because they've got a couple of, you know, decade old, uh, decade long players on that defense. And so it's, it's really going to be interesting. Um, but my notes are Eagles, same place as Cowboys. I thought the coaches or, or players didn't set themselves up well for this game. Um, obviously the offensive coordinator couldn't figure out how to call a play against a blitz. Um, there's been plenty of breakdowns about, you know, they brought blitz up the middle, left, right, whatever. There was not, you weren't, they weren't able to pick it up very well. And then a lot of, a lot of the routes that were run, it's just like, dude, like you don't have to run all go routes on a blitz and just go into epic Devontae Smith's out there somewhere because that's what it did. Um, and then to touch on, on the Buccaneers, uh, Baker played out of his mind. Um, and then the defense played really well. I think that's going to be a, uh, kind of a missing factor right there uh, for the Bucks team going into the next game is their run defense is really good. And mm-hmm. that back end, back end of that defense is, is not talked about enough. And I think, I think they'll put up a good fight and I think it'll be a much better game this next week against the Lions. Yeah. The analyst. Yeah. Just to follow that up. Um, I, I, I do, I do think the Cowboys loss was worse because there was more, there was more, hype about the Cowboys than the Eagles because you saw this collapse coming at the end of the year. Every point that Jacob just made about, you know, they wanted to get rid of Sirianni before the season was over. Uh, The coordinators left and it's been a struggle all year. Like I've been pointing out, Jalen Hurts having a turnover issue and a turnover bug this year. Um, You kind of knew going into that game that the Bucs had a better chance of winning than the Packers did against the Cowboys. Um, both were equally as bad as losses considering the seasons that both of the teams had. But, um, yeah, I, I wasn't impressed with anything the Eagles did. And I thought, you know, the one comment I'll have for the Bucks is Jacob kind of stole it for me. It's like just because Tom Brady left does not mean that defense went downhill. They still have those same pieces that won that Super Bowl a couple years ago. Vita yeah. Vea, Antoine Winfield is one of the best safeties in the league now. Yeah, um, well. The, let's see, what's his name? Levante David, the, the linebacker. Yeah, Devin White. Yeah. Uh, Devin White, David. Devin White, yes. So they're all still there. They're all very good. And, um, yeah, uh, note on the Eagles, they are in the exact same place as the Cowboys, man. They're, they lose Kelsey. That's a major loss. Two names that I could see retiring um, right off the bat, Fletcher Cox um, and then um, Lane Johnson, too. I, I could see both of them kind of calling it quits. You know, they – they tried to make a run in the Super Bowl with a good roster, and it, and it just flattened out right there. So um, those are two names that I could see retiring. And then, honestly, I think surprise ones, um, maybe not retiring, but kind of moving on to something else is Darius Slade. Um, yeah. I don't know what his contract situation is, but I could see him being like, look, man, I won a Super Bowl. Or, I mean, I've had a really good career. They didn't. I don't think he's won a Super Bowl, but you know, he's had a really good Ryan. career. And then I yeah. think he was a lion and then an eagle. So I don't yeah, think, yeah. He's, he's had a really good career. He's probably, you know, he's getting up there in age. I wouldn't be shocked. But, you know, to Jacob's point, um, they're in the exact same spot as Dallas. So, but I imagine they'll make a better coaching hire than we will. <laughs> so. Yeah, they will. Um, they'll get exactly who they need to get. And the, and the Cowboys will hire back Jimmy Johnson. Um, I'm cool okay. with that. I'm cool with it as well. Um, okay. 
AFC matchups here. Um, the Bills versus the Steelers. The Bills winning this game 31 to 17. We knew this was going to happen. I mean, the, the Steelers didn't belong in the playoffs. Um, although Mike Tomlin is does have a well-coached football team, uh, this was just an easy matchup for the Bills. Rudolph, Mason Rudolph had a very he, – he struggled heavily, you know, all game in these cold um, conditions. And um, Josh Allen did a really good job of utilizing his tight ends, um, Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid. Um, he just a productive performance for Buffalo. You couldn't really ask for much more in terms of uh, representing your team at home when you're favored by a lot of points um, yeah. <laughs> against the lowest seed in the playoffs. So good job for the Bills of getting it, getting their job done against a mediocre playoff team. Um, yeah. Yeah. All I have is the bill, the Bills were the better team. They are the better team and they played like it. Um, and I think that's where uh, that team does a great job of letting Josh Allen just like, Hey, you're better. Go, go be better than that team. And that's what he did. Oh, um, yeah. And then I know the score, uh, I know the score throughout it got pretty close, but it shouldn't have gotten that close. Uh, this could have been an easily like a 31 seven game. Um, but it, they kind of let him come back, come back uh, in the game a little bit for a couple of drives. And then it was just like, even though the score was close, the game didn't feel close at all. Um, but you know, props to the bills. Uh, they're just a better team. Absolutely. The analyst. I mean, that's really all there is to it. I think the other point to make there is basically when you have fans shoveling all of your snow out before the game after that crazy ice storm, you have to go in there and win. And I think that's kind of like the Bills mafia where it's yeah. like, you know, the it's like one of the best fan bases in the NFL. So oh, there, yeah. if you when you see that, I mean, if you're Josh Allen and that team, it's kind of like a, a must-win scenario where it's like, okay, we're going out there and we're going to kick some ass. Like, yeah. we're doing it for the fans. So, it's something to play for. Yeah. yeah. So, th- I mean, this this was an easy, easy pick. And while the game did get close, like Jacob said, I never was in doubt that the Bills were going to win this game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's another easy one that I got wrong was the, the Chiefs versus <laughs> the, the Dolphins. No, I, I got to apologize to the to the people that listen to this podcast because uh, I probably sound like a freaking idiot because I did not um, wasn't smart enough or witty enough to look up the weather forecast. But I corrected myself on Twitter and, you know, I know a couple of followers of ours might not be following me on Twitter yet, um, but I was on there on Wednesday or Thursday and said that <laughs> the Chiefs would win. Um, and they did, uh, 26 to seven. Um, the dolphins effort was just, uh, they just, it was, it would look like a Southern team playing in negative 30 degree weather. That's what Absolutely. it looked like. It looked like, it looked like Miami, Florida playing in negative 30 degree temperature. That's yeah. what it looked like. And expecting a, a result that was supposed to be miraculous. And then going and saying, is two of the problem? Whereas Mike McDaniel, no, that was negative 30 degrees outside and they haven't touched, they haven't played once a good game once in the cold and they didn't show up against, you know, this game. And plus Taylor Swift has the uh, Kansas city backing um, and you're not winning. Um, <laughs> so, but anyway, just to get real, I mean, outstanding de- uh, defense from Kansas city um, locking up Tyreek Tua looked extremely poor and the offense was just poor in effort. There was some scenarios where, you know, p- players were not catching footballs. Uh, Tyreek getting stuffed at the line and joking about being at, going to Cancun on Twitter, um, which was funny. 
And then, you know, just Miami held their own defensively, in my opinion, um, just holding to a bunch of field goals from Kansas City, um, which is kind of what you can ask for for a defense. Um, but, yeah, Miami, they were a fraudulent team from the beginning. I'm just I'm not surprised that they lost. If it were different conditions, um, I could have seen the game turning a different direction. But, yeah, Chiefs get an easy dub. Yeah. Yeah, so I have – the Dolphins' offense was bad, but – you could chalk this up. I mean, the negative thirty wind chill won this game a hundred percent, and I don't, I don't blame them because, like, you know, that'd have been one of those where, like, you know, getting off the bus, like, oh, man, I rolled my ankle, I can't, I can't play. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, keep me, keep me in the training room, like, coach, my throat hurts. <laughs> yeah, like, I think I got fever and like can't smell. Like, I think I got it, man. Like, so don't put me around it, but yeah, I had. <laughs> Dolphins offense didn't look very great. I thought the Chiefs defense was good, like it's been the majority of the year. Uh, finally, they're using Rashid Rice as a number one target. Uh, I think if they move towards to him being that number one guy and then Kelsey that number two, I think it could uh, work out well for them and getting that offense kind of revamped a little bit. Um, and then the last two big points, and it's kind of big, kind of been what we've seen with the Dolphins all year, and props to the Chiefs with Isaiah Pacheco is uh, drive sustainability and one team can old school run it and one team can't. If you look at the Dolphins all year, it's been big, gadgety type of plays and runs and uh, and where the Chiefs could literally line up under center and be like, oh, we're going to run it straight down your throat. And you could really tell that, you know, the, the, the Dolphins couldn't. And if you look at all the Chiefs drives that ended up with points, uh, I think the – I think the – Shortest amount of plays was like eight. Majority of them were eight to 13 or 14. And I think that's kind of been the remedy to defeating the Dolphins all year, just kind of getting them out of rhythm and kind of keeping the ball away from them. And so uh, that's just kind of what I have on this game. Yep. Yep. I bet well, the analysts. <laughs> well, I don't. I, the only thing I have to add is that hasn't been said is. Candy ass uniforms and negative thirty degree weather is never going to work out. So I don't think the Dolphins ever had a chance winning that game. No. Well, I would cover this Texas game, but um, I don't like your fans. So congrats on the win. We'll yeah. You know what? Well, can we just move on? I've heard. I've heard enough. Congrat. Congratulations, CJ Stroud and the Texans fans. You know, props to you guys. I will say I did not call it being a forty-five point, a forty-five fourteen. I was thinking no, I didn't. It would be a little closer, but that the no. Browns defense was brutal. So, but probably yeah, like well, Joe Flacco, yeah, <laughs> Joe Flacco cool. was kind of like, uh, like <laughs> the. That's the, cool. That's really cool, Jared. Thanks for sharing. Let's move on. <laughs> Joe Flacco was like the uh, the friendly neighborhood superhero that helped the grandma get across the street um towards the end of the season making headlines joe flacco is coming back but you know in reality cj stroud was saving the day all year that's basically um a rundown of the two quarterback head-to-head matchups but congrats to the christ follower um <laughs> cj stroud um yeah. incredible season um yeah. moving on okay uh okay track breaking your top three cowboys playoff losses more misery Yes. Um, so we can talk about more failure. Um, do y'all okay? Question: Do y'all want to do top three or just diamond? Oh, I mean, I have three. I can do diamond. It doesn't matter. Okay. All right. 
Let's do an honorable mention, and we'll do diamond. Okay. We're gonna do that way. Yeah. Um, because I don't think I can take all three. Pause. Um, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that might have been the worst one yet. All right. Start it off. Yeah. Here. Okay. Starting up. Um, okay. My honorable mention. Man, <laughs> I feel like it's all Packers. Um, but it it really was uh. Dak's rookie year. I really thought we had it that year, 13 and three, dominating um, the division, dominating the NFL, beating good teams away and uh, at foreign and abroad. And then getting into the, the playoffs, and we, I felt like we were the best of the best of the best, sir. And uh, just for Dak to do his job and under one minute have Aaron Rodgers just dice it up the field and get a, a toe tapping grab from Jared Cook and a last second uh, field goal from bum Mason Crosby to send us home um, back to the United States. So um, that one was brutal to me because I was just starting to starting to really, really get into Dallas Cowboys football, which was an absolute mistake. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so um, that's, that's my honorable mention. I mean, you expect like a joke, but that is the joke. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, the analyst, your honorable mention. Well, from my actual list, I had, and I don't think this is going to be on any of ours, but the honorable mention I had was the Tony Roma PAT fumble. I was too young to remember it, but I was too young to remember it. But I remember like the years following. Um, every time the Cowboys would get remotely close to the playoffs with Tony Romo, they'd be like, hey, do you remember this? And I'll watch it and be like, oh my God, that's horrible. But my diamond ranking um, is like, and that I truly bad. mean this. My uh, my diamond ranking is truly that this game Sunday. Yeah. Um, the theme of my list was going to be the PTSD from the Packers in the playoffs, but I mean, this loss to me truly just is like the snap in Avengers in or the Avengers, not in game. Infinity War, yeah, where Thanos snaps and half the world's gone, and the movie ends with like everybody looking around, like all is lost, and that's exactly how this game felt. <laughs> yeah, so that's my diamond ranking. This this one truly, truly broke broke everything I believed in. So there you go. <laughs> all right, so uh, my honorable mention. Is it going to be the Dez caught it or didn't catch it game? Oh, yeah. uh, so that's my honorable mention. And then my, my diamond one, my diamond one, and the little bit of backstory is you know, obviously, it was when we were all younger, but back in the day, um, like texting wasn't what it was now. Obviously, that's how old I am, but I would call Gramps and we would like be on the phone watching the game together. And I remember being on the phone watching that game with him. And, like, he missed the – he bobbled the snap, tried to run it, and got tackled. And then it was just like, beep, like, <laughs> immediate <laughs> dial tone. And You're I'm talking like, about the Tony Romo one, right? Yeah, yeah, when he, when he fumbles the snap, tries to run it, and gets tackled, it doesn't count. And, like, I'm, I was talking to Gramps, like, we're all happy. And then all of a sudden, like, dial tone, the phone's off. 
And I'm just like, I'm like, Gramps, he's still there? And it's like, no, nah, I didn't get to talk to Gramps for like a week later. So uh, it was like a nuclear missile hit Lufkin. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was so, done. So yeah, that's that's my um, diamond. Uh Jared, what's your diamond ranking? Yeah, well, my diamond was actually the um the Dead's caught it, but I'm gonna make an audible and I'm gonna go um to the 49ers game last year because yeah. of just it was just everything happened the way that it should have the defense made stops um we were we were in it to the finish and then just it was just the interceptions man it's they just it was just everything you feared it was like just just Dak doesn't throw more than one interception this game we'll have a chance (laughs) and of course you know he goes out there and throws you know two or three and everybody looks terrible we're, or the scheme looks horrible. And then this is your third straight time, you know, losing or second straight time losing to the, the 49ers in the playoffs. And um, you just don't want a team to have that kind of number on you. You know, it's kind of like when the chiefs or I would guess the, the, the Bengals are like the chiefs and those in the bills, that little trifecta there where if one team plays the other, they're going to lose almost every time. Um and so, yeah, it was just brutal because you're going into a season, into an off season where you're like, man, shit, I got to defend Dak Prescott and the Cowboys neck all off season long. And every answer that I have to give somebody takes 30 minutes to 30, 30 minutes to answer. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'd have to use that one. But of course, you know, the Des caught it one is just, it was, I, I, that's the one playoff game. I think I accidentally actually started shedding a tear, um, <laughs> <laughs> watching watching Des Bryant basically cry on the field, rightfully so, that he caught it, and he did. He changed the game. He really did. Um, okay. Our upcoming NFC matchups. We've got the, the number one seeded 49ers versus the number seven Packers and the number three seeded Lions versus the number four seed um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're going to predict a couple of these games for you guys. Um the analysts, let's start with you. We got the uh, the 49ers versus the Packers. This is the number one seed. Um, the the 49ers are, are favored minus nine and a half. Who do you have winning this game and why? I have uh, daddy beats up on son, meaning Kyle <laughs> Shanahan beats up on his on Matt LaFleur. I have the Niners winning this game with ease. They're going to embarrass the Cowboys even more and be like, this is how you beat the seventh seed. And I think this game actually doesn't even end up being that close. I think the score is going to be like 31 to 17 or 34 yeah, 17 yeah. Niners. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. The medical guy, <laughs> did you have the same one? Yeah, all I had was uh, 34 17 San Francisco. There you go. Uh, well, they don't call you the analyst. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, mine was. Um, 35 to 23 49ers. I just, they, just they, they started prepping for the for the Packers after the first quarter. Yeah, yeah. They said Packers scored. They said, All right, pull up the, pull up the Packers. Uh, pull yeah, up. all right. Uh, he's over there some money. Yeah, you know, these, these guys suck. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Um, Detroit versus the Buccaneers. Um, yeah, Detroit Lions versus the Buccaneers. We got Detroit favored minus six and a half. Who is the winner? Winner, the medical guy. I'll let you start on this one. Who do you got winning this game? 
Yeah, so you have Detroit, six and a half point favorites. Over under is 48 and a half. Um, I'm going to go with an upset prediction. According Ooh. to Vegas, I'm going with Tampa Bay wins 28-26. I go, oh. I go Detroit loses on a failed two-point conversion. Uh, and I think that the biggest reason the Bucks win is because the Lions are going to lose coming off an emotional win this past week. So, uh, and I'm tired Ooh, of hearing that. I am tired of hearing about the Detroit Lions bitch and complain about the uh, whatever the play they lost to Dallas on. So I'm hoping they lose. I'm hoping they lose on a two point play, a failed two point conversion. And that's pure hatred. Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the analyst. Uh, I have this game going either way. I think I kind of agree with Jacob. I'm not bold enough to say that the Bucks upset the Lions, but the Bucks do play the Lions' strength. You know, we talked about earlier the run game is really strong. Run game defense is really strong for the Bucks, and the Lions like to get David Montgomery rolling and then kind of open up their playbook with like Laporta over the seams or um, getting Jameer Gibbs out in the open. I feel like if you shut, I think feel like the way to shut down. Uh, the Lions is to actually stop David Montgomery because that opens up so much for Jared Goff. And I think the Bucs can do that. However, I just feel like the Lions are a better team. And so I'm going to take the Lions, but very, very close game. I think it's going to be a one or two point game. It's going to come right down to the end. Um, but I will not be shocked if I'm wrong. I, I, I will not be at all um, because the Lions defense Sometimes doesn't come up to play, and Baker's just like notoriously known for showing out whenever. So whenever I'm taking the Lions, but by a very small, small margin. I would not be shocked one bit if the outcome that the medical guy predicted came to fruition. Yeah. However, I do have the Lions winning this game 27 to 20. Um, I think Baker has a good game, but I just think he plays from behind. Most of the most of this ball game, which is not his strength. Um, however, if Baker gets ahead in this game, let's say by you know a little bit more than a possession, I think you could see great things for Tampa Bay. Uh, they they play their best ball when they're ahead, like most teams. But they're 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 just Baker's a game manager um, with a little bit of electricity. So um, I've got the Lions winning this game. Okay. Down over to the AFC, we've got the number one seeded Ravens versus the number four seeded Houston Texans. And then we have the number two seeded Bills versus number three seed Chiefs. Uh, we'll do our first seed first, the Ravens versus the Texans. Um, I'll start off, I'll start this one off, then I'll move to the medical guys prediction. Um, I, the Baltimore is a negative nine point favorite. Um, I have the Ravens winning this one in a close one. Uh, 20 to 17. I think Baltimore, Baltimore's defense takes a stand and they put an end to the Houston magic. Um, but I don't think either quarterback plays bad. I just think it's going to be kind of a, a defensive ball game. Uh, Texans will show up, but uh, the Ravens will pull out the victory 20 to 17. Nice. Uh, yeah. Did you already read the spread and the favorites? Yeah. The spread, um, I'm pretty sure I read it. It was uh, minus nine and a half for the Ravens. Um, and then for the Bills and Chiefs game, the Buffalo is favored minus two and a half. Okay, cool. So over under 44 and a half for the Ravens Texans game. Um, you know, some of my notes on here, I would love the Texans to win just to feel more pain, just to really just feel it deep in my soul. Yeah. Um, also with Lamar's playoff struggles, 
We're going to see if those come to fruition again. Um, also, the Texans have nothing to lose. Uh, they weren't expected to be anywhere close to this good this year. Um, and so I actually have upset alert again. I have 24-21 Texans. Um, and I'm expecting uh, the Baltimore defense not to play well against C.J. Stroud and the Texans, considering I don't believe they – I don't believe – they either played against Stroud uh, early, early in the year, or uh, they didn't play against him. I can't remember, but um, week one, the Texans to win. Well, yeah, week one when you know nobody knew anything about CJ Stroud. So, <laughs> yeah, the, the analyst. Forty-two to seven Ravens. No, but my my actually my like actually. I do think the Ravens win this game pretty handily. I think the te- like I think the Texans are good, but I just the way that the Ravens have beaten teams this year, the Niners, the Lions, you know, multiple people in their division, I I don't know how the Texans are going to keep up with with Lamar. I, I just so, think the game's close because of the the why not us factor. It's like yeah. why not yeah. us? Just go out there and play a little bit, and it's like yeah, that's true. But I just feel like. This year, the, the Ravens are kind of like the team of destiny, where it's like they they have they've been right there, they lose, they were right there, they lose, and they're not the Cowboys, where it's like, whoa, it's expected. It's like Lamar's playing his best ball. They're getting Mark Andrews back. John or Jim Harbaugh's coaching up. Defense is playing lights out. They've been the best defense all year. I just don't see they're playing at home. You know, there's the why not us factor from the Texans, but there's the Ravens are playing their best ball right now. So to me, I'm picking the Ravens. Yep. Yeah, I'm so mad. And I hope the Texans burn alive. <laughs> Your hatred, a rivalry has begun. Um, yeah. Okay. Bills versus Chiefs. Uh, Buffalo is favored minus two and a half. Like I mentioned earlier, I've got these Bills winning 28 to 23. Josh, Josh Allen is electrifying, defeating a lesser rostered. Kansas City team. Um, I think the Bills finally make it back to the AFC Championship game, and they finally beat Mahomes in the playoffs. Um, Josh Allen and the Bills. I've always been a fan of them, um, and, and you know, I've always they've always been my number one team. That's why I started this podcast in the first place um, was to cover the Bills um, primarily, which is why we're switching now. <laughs> um, if i had to pick another quarterback to follow dude i I would follow josh allen to the ends of the earth um but uh um i got josh allen winning this game uh the analyst for your prediction of this one i I would really like to see the bills win this game i would like to see um i would like to see josh allen kind of get his get back you know like he he deserves his get back after you know two or three years ago when he lost that game because he didn't get the ball. So I, I agree with Jacob. He just did the guns blazing. This is going to be a shootout. And I'm going to take the Bills slightly over the Chiefs. I'm going to say 35-33 Bills. Shootout. Nice. Well, if you've uh, paid attention to all my other picks, you can tell that my mental space is not there after this Cowboys game. And I'm just making picks off the cuff. You know, I have Why not us? Down. You know, I have, you have Buffalo at a two and a half point favorite over under 45 and a half. 
these teams are known for these shootouts. So I think Vegas is really going to just give you the shaft to control this game. I think it's going to be a defensive game. It's going to come down to as the best kicker. And I think Kansas City wins this game 17 to 14 because they have the better kicker. <laughs> Nine to six, Kansas City. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bro, I bet you're that. right. I watch you be right on all of them. Yeah, uh, like they're not bad predictions at all. Like, don't feel that way. If I uh, if I'm right on the first one, we're going. We're putting a we're putting a big a big future bet out there to win me a lot of money. If I'm right on, the first one, <laughs> yeah. you're just gonna see like you're just you're gonna see signs of what happens. But I'm not gonna say anything. But you're gonna see there are gonna be some signs. I'm just you're gonna sh- show up with a grill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell is he doing with the chain? Yeah. yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. New pot setup? <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah, like a, a golden mic. To, yeah, I want y'all to take a – I'm going to fly y'all down to our uh, our private ranch down in South Texas. I just want y'all to visit for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Get there yeah. Hey, this is oh, your room. Yeah. This is your room. This is your room. Like, here we go. <laughs> yeah, I'm not much for flying to islands, but yeah. – uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Rather not end up on a list. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't. <laughs> the only list I want to be on is a hit list or a Santa's list. That's about it. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> end of season headlines. Just want to touch a little bit on them. Um, you know, we've got the All Pro list that came out. Um, honestly, you know, there's not a whole lot on here that I was going to really combat. Um, but I just kind of wanted to break down a couple things as we leave the podcast. You know, um, the CD Lamb making first team all pro wide receiver was awesome. You know, Tyree Kill in there as well. Um, you had Lamar Jackson, as we suspected, uh, winning first team quarterback, Christian McCaffrey, fullback Kyle Jushik's uh, uh, um, San Francisco, tight end George Kittle from San Francisco, which I thought was a little interesting to have him number one um first team but um i don't necessarily disagree with it but i thought there were some more deserving guys out there like tj hawkinson um i get it you know injuries can play a factor uh wide receivers yeah like i mentioned tyree kill um cd lamb and this one was fun amon ross st brown in first team all pro i think that was pretty deserving yeah he's one of the most consistent wide receivers in the nfl Quick, um, quick fact there. If you go look at his first three years, it's very, very identical with CDM. Very. Yes, identical. it is. Yeah, and he's not a bad receiver whatsoever. Like he just doesn't get talked about it a lot because, um, you know, he plays for the Lions and they're just now starting to become really good. Um, yeah. So he's getting a lot more recognition. He's but he's always been very consistent and an elite wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah, so some normal guys on the on the offensive line here. Uh, one Cowboys, Zach Martin at right guard, and you got um, Trent Williams at left left tackle, and then some other guys. Um, Penny Sewell, right tackle for um, Detroit, in there as well. Miles Garrett, T.J. Watt get the first team edge rushers. I was interested to see. I mean, no Michael Parsons. Um, I know Nick Bosa kind of had a quiet year a little bit, um, but. TJ Watt, I think, you know, once again, when he plays a full season, I mean, he just loads up on sacks. I was about um, to say, TJ Watt gets all the, like, pretty boy stats. You know, like, he yeah. gets the the sacks and stuff like that. That's why he's always on there. Yeah, I mean, he's a stat machine. Uh, yeah. Kind of like uh, – um, I'm not saying he's not good. Yeah, he just gets the, 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 the diamond stats. He's literally like uh, JJ. Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, and then another one, like this is kind of like the I mentioned it was kind of a little bit of a um a popularity contest in some parts, you know, like Aaron Donald um winning interior lineman first team. You know, I get it, he's one of the best of his of this decade and of his career. Um, Chris Jones for Kansas City, who didn't play for the first three weeks, um, but he had an outstanding season, I'm sure. Um, and I get it. The Eagles defense had its faults, but I mean, Jalen Carter had a pretty solid year. Um, there were some other guys. I mean, I get it. He should be a convict, but, um, you know, at the same time, there might, might have been some other guys in there like Vita Vea um, that could have won some awards. Uh, of course, Fred Warner and Roquan Smith. I, I, I said earlier in the podcast that uh, the San Francisco and Baltimore had the best two linebacker cores in the league. Fred Warner and Roquan Smith getting first team. Um, and then Deron Bland, our very own, um, <laughs> getting first team all pro. Um, and I'm going to kind of skip the rest, but, um, besides safety, I want to mention Antoine Winfield Jr. Tampa Bay getting first team all pro. They were, they were whining about how he didn't make the pro bowl, um, which doesn't even matter. Pro means yeah. way more than so much. Yeah, exactly what I was getting into. It's like, why do you even care about the Pro Bowl? They just go out there and play dodgeball and flag football. Like, yeah, Tyler Huntley made it last year or something. It's like, brother, come on. Like, yeah, like simmer down. Simmer. Okay, second team, Dak Prescott, quarterback, Dallas Cowboys. Um, Kyron Williams, the running back, had a fantastic year, pretty much unstoppable. A.J. Brown, a step below C.D. Lamb in second team, as, lo- as well as the rookie, Puka Nakua, in there with some recognition. I thought this was good that they had Sam Laporta tied in from Detroit. Um, again, I would have liked to see Hawkinson in here. I thought he had an incredible year with all those quarterback changes um, in Minnesota and, you know, the winning streak that they went on after the the, the poor start that they had. Um, and then Dallas just kind of dominated the offensive line in the second team um, with Tyron and Tyler Smith at left, and, left tackle and guard. Um and then Michael Parsons and Max Crosby at the edge rushers. Um, some the last couple, the one notable thing I want to put on here in the second team is that Bobby Wagner somehow made the second team All Pro linebacker when he was at a, a, a kind of atrocious all year long statistically. Yeah. I, just, I really don't. He was kind of a liability for Seattle. Yeah, um, he just had like 250 tackles or something. So it was like, oh yeah, give it to him because he tackles people. Like, well, that's like giving it to Jalen Smith back in the day when he had like the most tackles in the NFL. But if you watch it, they're all like nine yards downfield. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Or, hey, I think you forgot the, or have you got to it yet? The other cowboy. Uh, Brandon Aubrey. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, Brandon well, Aubrey, first team All Pro. The actual All Star of the team. Yeah, yeah. the best, the, the guy that field goaled everybody to death, but also the second team All Pro, Brian Anger. Um, who appeared um, a lot in the playoff game? Hire, <laughs> hire, hire Bones as the uh, as the head coach for the Cowboys. See what happens. Bones. Yeah, his, uh, <laughs> his, he, you know, he's over special teams, and the kicker and the punter make all pro. It's like, oh, wow. Hey, he yeah. hit a hundred percent on his part of the on his part of the team. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, and then so in, in big news, we want to just highlight this. Uh, Nick Saban retired. Um, that's huge for the game of college football. Nick Saban was the greatest of all time. Um, it, it, I'm, I, I won't say that I'll miss him in the SEC because, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we everybody else has got to eat too. Um, but just an incredible career for him. Um, 
all the way down the line from LSU all the way to Alabama from starting in the NFL with Bill Belichick. Yeah, Belichick, you know, also departing from New England is big. Um, of course, Washington head coach um, Kalen DeBoer replaces Nick Saban in, at Alabama. That's a b- pretty big shoes to fill, and it was very quick. Um, Alabama acted very quickly on that. And then Gerard Mayo with a succession clause to replace Bill Belichick um, in New England. So there's a lot of changes in there. A lot of coaches have been fired. Um, probably a couple more to be fired soon. We wanted to highlight those for you guys. Um, but any comments on the Nick Saban um, retirement before we uh, wrap this one up? No. I think he retired because he doesn't want to deal with the NIL. And I think oh, that's 100%. completely and that's completely understandable. Um, I I think he's been saying for a while that, um, you know, it's ruining the game of college football, which I completely agree with him. And, um, you know, I, I I don't think he could have gone out at a better time. Uh, And it's just not like, if you go watch any documentary, anybody talk or all of his players talk about how he coaches, he coaches you the way a college coach should. And he's up, you know, he's always up and involved in drills. He's, he was always, you know, getting in a player's ass. I don't care if you're a five-star, a one-star, a three-star. I want you to do it this way, and I want you to execute the play this way. And that's why all these Alabama players are really good in the NFL. So, yeah. you know, that's why he's leaving. And to me, that is completely understandable. And what a hell of a career to have. Now, his replacement, I think that's a good pick for Alabama. Um, I was very complimentary of his offensive game plan. And, you know, he's just going into a loaded roster and, you know, we'll see how that plays out, but hell of a year for Nick. It'll be interesting to see how the quarterback room plays out next year uh, for Alabama, because obviously Milrow is coming back and then the Will Rogers transferred from Washington to Alabama. And so, I mean, those are two people that have, you know, had, however you want to take it or not, success. In college football, primarily the SEC. So it'll be interesting to see how that quarterback room plays out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested to see it as well. Um, but yeah, I definitely agree on the NIL standpoint there with uh, Nick Saban. I, 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 he's voiced his frustrations a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, hell of a career from Nick Saban. But that wraps it up um, for track 31. It's over. Um, you know, we, we, we covered everything we can cover with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I know it was an hour of us basically wasting away our sorrows, sorrows, but it was, it's well-deserved. This is who we cover. This is who we are. We are Dallas Cowboys fans at heart and we're die hard, which means we die hard whenever they are, uh, are wasted in the playoffs. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So it happens every year, but um, yeah, well, thanks for coming out guys. I mean, let, you know, you can find us on Apple podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, if this is your first time listening or if you're you've been here the whole time, uh, remember just like, um, download and subscribe, share it with your friends. You can find us on Instagram at track.pod. That's T R A K dot P O D, or on Twitter at at the track podcast. Um, and you can find us on all platforms. So uh, be sure to hit our link tree in our bio on, on our Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok pages. And you guys can follow us anywhere and watch us anywhere. Um, but thank you all for your support. And we are gearing up for season two when we give you all exclusive coverage of Shattering the Script during the playoffs. Uh, the medical guy and the analyst, thank you guys for joining once again. Um, and I'm sure I'll be seeing um, some of y'all next week um, for next episode. So, yep. Go um, Stars.
Ghost Hunters. Yeah, 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 I will not be saying what I usually say at the end of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, fuck the Texans. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's a new inside joke for the pod right there. Okay, thank you guys very much. See you all next Wednesday.